encourage us. Um, I don't know where you're at in the room tonight, whether you're on the mountaintops, 
or really believe the battle belongs to the Lord or whether you're in a moment where you're maybe in a moment of doubt. The first week of school can sometimes be crazy, but what I do know is that this can be a place to engage with the Lord authentically, to worship Him in spirit and truth. But the only way that we can do that is if we recognize our need for a Savior and a God that can wash away all the things that create the brokenness in this world. So we're gonna sing a song that says, I'm gonna run to the Father. I'm gonna fall into grace. So can we, while we sing, can we believe the words that, that are on the screen? We pray that they wouldn't be just words on a screen, but songs on our hearts, prayers straight to the Father. So let's sing tonight.
Let's read this verse together. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Tonight, I'm gonna invite you guys into a moment where we'll just be still in the presence of the Lord. A moment where we can, no matter what we're walking in here with, maybe this week was really long or really stressful and school was already a lot. Maybe this week was awesome, um, super relaxing and really life-giving. Whether we're in either camp, whether we're somewhere along the spectrum, what we do know is that we have a God that wants to meet us in this place and this time. Maybe some of us, I think we need to confess to the Lord, but in this moment, we're just gonna be still in his presence. the price that we can never pay. He lived a life we can never live and died a death that we deserve so that we could have relationship with him. That's good news. Reconciled back to the Father, that's such good news. Pray that we could leave that tonight. Lord, we're grateful that we get to worship you tonight. We're honored that you would invite us, your people, broken and unworthy to come before you to sit with you, God, that you would send your son for us, that you would send your son so we could be renewed time and time again, that we wouldn't be left in the ways that we were, but rather, God, that you would bring us out and change us and renew us time and time grateful for your son, Jesus. What a name, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be changed by the reality of his life. God, we're grateful, we're grateful. We can't say enough. Jesus, let me pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all can take a seat. My name is Josh. I'm on the college team here, and tonight, you're hopping right into the first week of a, of a psalm series. And for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with the book of Psalms, the Psalms is a collection of ancient poetry, songs, and prayers. Uh, and the design of it was no matter what season you are in, whether you feel like you're on the highest mountain or just in the pit, in, the, in a deep, dark valley, the Psalms are a reminder that no matter where you are, God is near and he is worthy of praise. 
And so because a lot of you don't know me, I feel like I need to give you my credentials on why I am qualified to speak on poetry, right? This is my chance to do some humble brags so you know that what you're hearing tonight is gonna be legit, all right? It started at a very, very young age. I had people writing poems about me as early as first grade, okay? So for those poets in the room, really listen for some of the style and the meter and all that stuff. Here's what one of my best friends, Cameron Young, wrote about me in first grade, okay? Close your eyes if you need to. He said, I have a friend. His name is Josh. He is big. And for those of you that maybe don't have the context, here's what he was working with, okay? I, uh, if you can't guess, I'm, I'm, the one, I'm the one in the middle. That's me in first grade. That's my dysfunctional family as well. And so now that you can picture it, I think it's gonna hit a little more right now, okay, ready? So picture this, don't make direct eye contact with me in the middle while I read this. I have a friend, his name is Josh, he is big. That will preach, I mean, that's good. So that's just where it started. It just started there and then it just, then I started, I wanted to get in the game myself, you know. It's one thing to have poems written about you, but I wanted to get into the game. And so senior year of high school, I had a B plus in English, which is not bad, I'll take it, but I kind of wanted an A minus. And so I got extra credit if I wrote, produced, and performed a rap song based on the bestseller, Catcher in the Rye, by, about Holden Caulfield. That's the one that you were supposed to read but never read. And so tonight, get ready for this. You're gonna know, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is the Holden Caulfield rap. I'm so sorry, I can't do it, I can't do it. That's all I got, that's all I got. If, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you, I'm not gonna tell you where you can find that video, but if, if you search on YouTube, I'm sure you could find it. As you can obviously tell, not only has my fashion been incredible since senior year of high school, but my rapping abilities as well. And so I am more than qualified, maybe some would even say overqualified to talk about poetry. So that being said, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Psalm chapter one. The book of Psalms is almost right, it's like right in the middle of the, your Bible. So if you flip it open to the middle, you should be pretty close. Psalm chapter one. So here's what we're gonna see tonight, at least I hope so. 
we're gonna see the psalmist give us two paths, two options, and he's gonna reveal to us, the reader, a path to true and lasting joy. He's gonna show us how we can, can have that, the thing that we really want, this happiness or joy or blessed life, how do we obtain it? And he's gonna show us. And so, the, I talked about influences. The, the Psalm chapter one says there's two influences. You can either be influenced by the word or influenced by the world. And whatever influences you is gonna determine your identity and your identity is actually gonna have impact. It's gonna have an eternal destination associated with it. So here in verse one, we see those that are influenced by the world. Verse one says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sits in the company of mockers. Now, when I was in college, if I was sitting right here where you were, I would, I'd probably be rolling my eyes already. It'd be like, here we go. Pastor guy is gonna tell me all these lists of sins and things that he says, hey, you shouldn't do that. The Christian life is about a bunch of rules that you gotta follow, don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't go to parties. That's not where we're going tonight, so stay with me. I think some of us probably know the consequences of some of those things, but what I wanna, what I wanna talk about tonight, what I think is even more important are the subtle influences. Not the ones we talk about, not the ones we see like on display throughout the world, throughout our friend groups, but I wanna talk about those little whispers. Those whispers from the world that are so enticing, that pull us in, that drag us. Influences like image, what we wear, who we hang out with, what sorority we got into, what fraternity we're trying to get into so desperately. What will the people around me think of me if I can get into this fraternity? Man, what would that do for me? Maybe for some of you, it's the, the, the whisper of wealth. Man, if I, I, I gotta get good grades now so that I can get that internship so that I can get into that grad school so that I can get that job so I can make that paycheck so I can drive that car and have that house. And it's this wealth and wanting things and this, man, I gotta retire by the time I'm 40. I just want, want that wealth. For some of you, it's relationships, friendships, dating relationships. Man, if I could finally just have that boyfriend or girlfriend, if that person would notice me, man, then I would find this, this path of, of joy. Some of you, it might even be something like politics. Whatever that party or that party tells me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. If they tell me to go do this thing, I'm gonna do that, both on the right and on the left. And we see here in verse one how subtle these, these influences are, right? Look at the progression. It talks about 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. There's this progression, walk, stand, sit. Isn't that kind of how it works if we really think about it? We see something and, and at first it's just like we notice it, whether that's sin or anything. We, we kind of just, we, we walk by it, we, we notice it. And then after noticing it for so long, we're like, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll partake in it. And again, we're not talking about sex, drugs, and alcohol. We're talking about these, these subtle things. We notice them. We start to believe those things. We start to believe that these things are gonna give us some sort of, of inner peace or happiness. And then before long, we see our, our identities rooted in those things. We're no longer walking by them. We're not even just standing them, but we're, that's who we are. That's where I, our identity is rooted and firm. So there's this progression. And the psalmist says, if you want the blessed life, and again, if you're like me and kind of grew up in a Christian home, especially if you're from maybe the Midwest or the South, you probably hear the word blessed, and it comes with all types of, of baggage. When I lived in, in Dallas, Texas, I swear, every 40-year-old mom, that was like the, the second word that came out of their mouth, hey, like, how's it going? So blessed, Josh. S sweet. Hi, like, cool. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Have a blessed, have a blessed day. Okay, how you doing? I'm just too blessed to be stressed right now. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. And so tonight we're gonna kind of take that word because I don't like it, because it has a lot of baggage, and we're gonna replace it with, with joy or happiness. And that's not me just like going off the deep end here. That's actually this same Hebrew word is actually used in other places for, for joy or happiness. So what the psalmist is saying is, if you want to experience this path of joy, you gotta be aware of these influences that the world has on you. You gotta notice that there are things that you're doing that, that are dragging you away, that are taking you actually away from joy. They might have the appearance of joy, but man, they're taking you in the opposite direction. So he says, the joy-filled life, or happy is the one that doesn't, doesn't listen to those influences, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, they meditate day and night. We're gonna take a quick, quick pause here, quick timeout. Because he's saying, if you want a joy-filled life, you'll delight in God's word in the law of the Lord. You'll meditate on God's word. And yet, when I meet with guys throughout the week, probably one of the questions I get more often than not is this one. Why is it so freaking hard for me to read my Bible? I get this all the time. Like, I, I get it in concept. I, I understand, like, okay, like, this is important. This is something you should do. But I just, I can't do it. I can't open it up. I can't read it. And so tonight we're gonna see, we're gonna answer the question, why don't I read the Bible? If we're told to delight in it, 
if we're told that this is the way to joy, we gotta understand what's, what's taking us away. And so we saw in verse one, distraction, right? We saw these things of the world, these subtle things, these little whispers, these voices, they distract us for sure. But there might be some other things too that distract us from God's word. Skepticism. Maybe some of you in this room are just like, I, I can't trust it. It was written so long ago by so many different people, translated so many different times. How can I possibly believe what it said? Or how can I trust the God who allows mass genocide throughout history? Or maybe even a personal, maybe someone close to you died. Maybe your parents divorced like mine. And you're like, why would I listen to a God who would allow something like that? So if that's you in the room, we are so glad you're here. I doubt God's word often. It's okay. I hope this is a safe place that you can come with that skepticism. You can come with those questions, come with those doubts and, and bring them because they're probably some of the same questions that I've wrestled with my whole life. And so we want that here. We want you to wrestle. So maybe it's, it's sin that's distracting you. Maybe it's skepticism. Maybe it's even your, your smartphone. <laughs> Super personal for me. I, I used to read on my iPad. Like I'd have like a little Bible app with some notes on the side. I'd read on my iPad and I had to like, this was like two weeks ago. I had to just say like, I'm done. I can't read on my iPad anymore because I'd be reading. I'm like, okay, yeah, Psalm 1, blessed is, oh, someone just texted me. Okay, text them back. Okay, yeah, someone, blessed, blessed is the one. Oh, email. Oh, shoot, I forgot to send all these other emails. Okay, I forgot to do these things. Okay, blessed is the one. Oh, you know what? I wonder if they have those new golf clubs on Facebook Marketplace. Okay, I probably should check that. You know, you gotta be quick on those things. You don't want, want to let those deals slide by, so I gotta go check on those, and then I'll get back to it. And it's like this attention grabbing from our, our technology that's just taking us away. I mean, that's just, that's just real. So many things distract us. So that's one reason why we don't read the Bible. Maybe another right here, it says in verse two, it says, their delight is in the law of the Lord. And so reason number two that you don't read your Bible and it's hard for me to read my Bible is because we don't delight in it. And I think part of the reason is because we see it as a law, right? That's not how ancient Israel would have, would have seen it we see the law of the Lord, we see it as this book of rules, these things to do and not to do, and we don't see the, the beauty or the value or the worth in God's word, and so we don't open it up. And yet, if we would just understand its purpose, if we could truly understand its value, I think that would change. If we just look at a couple of chapters later, Psalm 19 devotes most of the chapter to, to showing us why we should read the word of God, right? He says, the word of God gives life to your soul. It makes people wise. It gives joy 
to their hearts. It opens their eyes to true beauty. It will never change. It is more precious than gold and it is even sweeter than honey. Now, if I were to ask you, or if I were to make maybe an offer to you or say, hey, listen, if you read your Bible every single day for the next year, I'd give you a million dollars every day. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm not talking extended quiet times. I'm talking 20 minutes, 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day for the next year. Every day though, a million dollars is yours. Would you do it? I mean, you'd be insane. You'd be insane not to do it. It'd be like it'd be the easiest money you ever made. You're like, yeah, okay, a million bucks, ten minutes a day. That I, I could totally do that. And I bet I bet you most of you would end up doing it. But if God's word is true, it says that it's it's more valuable than money. And so the problem isn't. Time, the problem isn't all these things, it's it's we don't we don't understand its value. The number one answer I get, it's like, hey, what like why haven't you why haven't you opened your Bible lately? I bet you could guess. Ah, I'm just so busy. I just I don't have time. Can I take my, my pastor's hat off for a second, put it down here? <laughs> That's total BS, okay? Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? It's a college service. We're kind of kind of a little edgy, a little edgier here. <laughs> That's, That's BS. You have time. We always make times for what we delight in. Whatever you delight in, you'll always make time for. And the third problem is that we don't, we aren't disciplined. We don't make time. See, delight almost always leads to discipline. What I mean by that is you're, the things you enjoy, you're gonna do naturally. Delight almost always leads to discipline. But discipline often leads to delight as well. And anyone in this room that's tried to start some like crazy new like workout plan or tries to go on like a diet and eat, eat healthy whole 30 or whatever. I did like the whole seven one time and I quit. Anyone that tries to do that will, will realize if you're trying a new workout plan, those first couple days, maybe those first couple weeks are a grind. I mean, it's it's hard getting, getting to the gym. It's hard putting in the work. You don't really know how to do some of the, the lifts or the workouts or anything like that. And it's, it's a struggle. And then a couple weeks in, maybe a month in, you start to get pretty good at it. You start to see like tangible fruit of it. You're like, okay, I feel, I feel better. I look better. Maybe that girl would go out with me now. Just kidding. And you start to see that and you start to like look forward to going to the gym, which is like the craziest thing ever. You start to like, you're disciplined. You start to look forward to it. 
And this verse is in here because it's the same thing for God's word. Sometimes it's not gonna be this mountaintop, like tingles from the Holy Spirit experience. You're not gonna have tears every single time you open the word. Here's what Jeffrey Thomas, he wrote a great book about it, says. He says, do not expect always to get an emotional charge or a feeling of quiet peace when you read the Bible. By the grace of God, you may expect that to be a frequent experience, but often you will get no emotional response at all. Let the word break over your heart and mind again and again as the years go by. And imperceptibly, there will come great changes in your attitude and outlook and conduct. You will probably be the last to recognize these. What he's saying is, is keep doing it. Keep opening up your word. Be disciplined because you're not always gonna have, have these feelings of, of overjoy when you read the Bible. But when you look down the road, you'll see the fruit of it. You might even delight in it. So the psalmist gives us two paths. We're all influenced by something, either by the world or by the word. And he says, those influences shape you and change you and actually create an identity. He says, those that are influenced by the word, they become like a tree that is planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. All that they do prospers. Now, I don't know how much time you, you study trees. I, I studied trees zero minutes of my life before this week, preparing for this talk. But think about, <laughs> think about maybe for the first time probably, how a tree grows, especially one that's planted by this stream of water, right? Have y'all ever been maybe on a hike, maybe up to the buffalo, and you see these trees that are almost like clinging to the water. It's like they wanna try and get as close to the water as possible. And these trees, here's how they grow. They grow holistically, which just means like, all at once, like all the whole parts all together. They grow organically, naturally, and they grow slowly. Man, this goes against everything our culture wants. We love instant gratification. If we see something online that we want, we, like I've gotten to the point where two days is, is not quick enough. I like, we'll see something on Amazon, I'm like, man, I wish I, could, I wish I could get that faster than two days. If we see something that we want, it's like immediate. We want it, we want it now. We hate slowness. We hate waiting. And even in our own lives, when we see something that maybe doesn't line up with what we want, we want that gone immediately. Maybe it's a sin in your life, an addiction, or maybe there's a fruit of the spirit that you're like, man, I just wish, I just wish I had more patience. And we're like, okay, I want, how do I get more patience? I want, that, I want that now. But sanctification is slow, right? What did verse three say? It says, this tree produces fruit in its season. 
I'm so thankful for that verse. Because when I'm in a season where it feels like God is doing nothing, when I'm in a season where it feels like God is just absent or gone, I feel like a total waste of time. I feel like a failure. I start to think about all the things I did wrong to make God disappointed. And yet, he just grows. There's gonna be seasons where you won't produce fruit. And he wants to grow you up entirely. And it's gonna take, it's gonna take time to be like this tree planted by streams of water. So here's the identity for those that are influenced by the world. It's almost the exact opposite if there was. It says, the wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away, the wind blows away. And now for those of you that don't know what chaff is, for those, those of you interested in the room, chaff is basically like the outer covering of wheat or other crops. So when they wanna get to like the fruit, the part that they actually use, they remove this kind of like outer covering and they just, it's like this empty shell. It's in a way the, the absence of fruit. It's what's taken away from the fruit and it's useless. It just gets driven away by the wind. Wherever the wind takes it is where it goes. And if we're being honest, that's kind of how culture works as well. It has this look of realness, this look of fruit, but really it's this empty shell. And whatever, whatever it wants that day, it takes you along with it. And it might be the exact opposite the next day. This is what happens for those that are, are influenced by the world, the world, they become like chaff that, that the wind drives away. Useless, fruitless, and just goes wherever the culture takes it. And so here's how this psalm ends. It talks about two influences that lead to two different identities that lead to two different eternal destinations. Verse five says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. So the eternal destination for the wicked, for those that are influenced by the world, when judgment day comes, they'll be found guilty. They will not be able to stand with the righteous and they will perish. They'll be driven away like that chaff, gone. And those who are influenced by the word, what happens? They get to stand in the judgment. When judgment day comes, they get to stand guiltless. When the assembly of the righteous is gathering and celebrating, they get to be a part of that. 
instead of being driven away, it says, God, the Lord knows them. They are known by God in a relationship with God. Here's the problem. If we're really being honest with ourselves, me very much included, if you think about even the last 24 hours, how often we have been influenced by the world and not by the word, how, how often we would be considered wicked and not righteous. And Romans 3 backs that up. It says, nobody is righteous. Nobody does good. Nobody seeks for God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so if this psalm was only pointing to a book, only pointing towards, towards words on a page, we would be screwed. We would perish. But it's not just pointing to words on a page or words in a book, but it's pointing towards the word who became flesh. It's pointing towards a person. John describes Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible, this book that a lot of you have in your laps right now, is not just a textbook or a list of rules. It's, it's pointing you towards a person. And this word that dwelt among you is inviting you into a relationship. He's saying, come to me. You're looking for joy? He says, in my presence there is fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. You wanna be like that tree planted by streams of water? Look at me, the one who was hung on a tree for you. so that you could have this identity, so that you could stand when judgment day comes, guilt-free and forgiven. You wanna be planted by streams of water? Jesus says, I am the well that won't run dry. All these other influences that you keep going after and looking towards are going to leave you empty. You're gonna be withered, you're gonna be dead, you will perish, the wind will drive you away. But if you come to me, you will never thirst again. You will prosper. You will yield fruit in its season. And when that day comes, when we're all gathered together in the assembly of the righteous, we'll be together. And not because of our own works and not because we did better than others, but because we saw the one who was perfect, the one who was never influenced by the world, and we'll say, that's our king. And so as we continue to worship, I would love for y'all to spend a few minutes thinking about that. Do you know that king? Is the Bible just a bunch of words to you, or do you see Jesus in it?
Let's pray. Father, you, you loved us so much that you saw a hurting and broken and rebellious and sinful world and yet you did not cast us off, but you made a way through your son. And so I pray that anyone in the room tonight that does not have a relationship with you, you would open their eyes to see your worth, that they would see you as beautiful. They would, they would see you as worthy of all praise. So would your Holy Spirit come and change us tonight? Would we trust you more and more? We love you. Praise all in the name of Jesus.
read this together. Romans 5, 8 and 9. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since now we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Let's pray that prayer, please. Bye.
if you believe that to be true, the only power that we can stand in is the power of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Sunday night, we love you guys. We'll see you at the same time, same place next week. And don't forget the uh, Pioneer Bible table out in the back. That's all I got.